How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the SoCon Pigskin Pod. My name is Joe James, and I'm joined by John Hooper. We're going to do things a little bit different this week because the SoCon football season is actually winding down a little bit, and most of the teams are kind of checked out. There's a new redshirt rule, and so some teams are going to see more players playing, and there's really no way of knowing how a lot of these games are going to end up. So we're going to focus mainly this week and next on four games. Wofford versus Furman, Wofford versus the Citadel, the Citadel versus Chattanooga, and Chattanooga versus VMI. But at this point, pretty much everything is decided. Some people have already checked out and are ready for basketball season. So we're going to focus on the possibly just part one of the SoCon Championship game with Wofford versus Furman. And at this point, we'll just get right to the show. You can find us at village underscore terrier or at socon john 22 all right so let's uh get it started so when i look at wofford and Furman, i look at two teams that are very much the same at this point because if you look at how three games in particular played out the mercer game the vmi game and the chattanooga game they're really similar in how they played out and i think the only differences was not in ability or even tendency but coaching philosophy i was looking at the box score for Chattanooga and Furman. And there was a key play in the on the, Furman's last possession when they were up 28 to 20, where they went for it on fourth and one and inside their own 40. Was it the 38? I think there was a similar situation for Wofford in the fourth quarter against Chattanooga up 21 to 14, but it was at midfield and coach Conklin punted. And for me, I look at these two teams. In my head, I look at Furman as bend but don't break yardage-wise, but they have a big play ability. Like they'll force some turnovers and they'll probably blitz, get some big plays. And if you're Wofford, I look at them as high risk, high reward, more vicious on the numbers perspective. But Furman will do things on offense where they will take control of the game with the ball. So like against Mercer, they did an onside kick when they were up like three scores to maintain possession. And against Chattanooga, they went for it on fourth down. What you're saying is Furman's taken more chance, a, little, a few more chances. Yeah, and I think Wofford is more defensive-minded because Coach Conklin is a defensive coordinator by trade, and he has more confidence in his defense. So look at Wofford, only gone for it 12 times on the year. But nine of those 12 times happened in two games. And so when I look at it, I think it's more of a, there's more risk taking on Furman's side. So I just want to know what your opinion was on that. Yeah. And, you know, and, and to throw this one out there, the Citadel actually went for it on fourth and one or two from their own 19 against Furman. So I, I think you're right. I, I think there is a little bit more of that, but I think Coach Hendricks' philosophy is if you can't get one or two yards, then he's an old OL guy, so that makes sense, right? I mean, you should be able to get a, a yard or two on fourth and two. And so I understand that a little bit. The one the one thing I don't like about Furman on a couple of those, and maybe one of them against the Citadel, is they were deep handoffs, and I <laughs> felt like it, it took forever to develop, and it was an, like an eight-yard handoff. So... Yeah, I would say Furman takes a few more chances, but I think these two teams, if you look statistically, 
are very, very similar. Um, just numbers wise, um, there's not too much of a difference. I mean, if you look at red zone scoring, I think Furman's at 94% and Wofford's at 92%. If you look at uh, yardage, I think Wofford has averages 15 more yards a game or something like that. Um, so, uh, or 13.7 more yards per game or whatever. So it's uh, points wide, points given up. You know, that, there's a little bit more of a difference. I think Furman's given up something like 19 points a game and, and Wofford's 24. Uh, but similar in scoring. I mean, so all these statistics almost look identical, which is kind of crazy. Well, the one, the one, well, actually, as a Wofford person, I would say is that a lot of Wofford's stats are skewed by the Clemson game. It's so big. I actually looked at it today. If um, you take out the Clemson game, Wofford is giving up 40 yards less per game on the ground and about 25 through the air. So literally, like that. they'd almost be even in every <laughs> statistical category, pretty much. I think Wofford is right now, uh, and I did it with, uh, to be fair, I did it with Furman too. And Furman was pretty consistent against Virginia Tech. And the real one for them was Georgia State. But even then, it wasn't as big of a difference. What I think is impressive about Wofford is their ability to stop the run. Right now, if you take out the FBS games, Furman is letting up about 180 yards per game on the ground. If you do that for Wofford, it's about 100, which... To be fair, they haven't played Furman or the Citadel yet. But right now in the SOCOM, there's like a running back renaissance going on. Wofford has still managed to average 100 yards per game. Now, granted, part of that is also helped by the fact that they only let Gardner-Webb have nine yards on them total. But this past week, uh, they let up only 144 yards to Mercer. I want to say they had, Mercer had 74 yards on one drive and they had 70 on the rest of the day. And the same goes with the with the Tyree Adams list, uh, Western Carolina a few weeks ago, and you know you could probably sparse out every single game statistics, but Wofford let up I want to say 407 yards against Chattanooga, 25 of that was in overtime, and they they let up like a 67 yard touchdown pass in the first quarter against a very good wide receiver in passing game in that one. Wofford's problem right now, I think, might be big plays on occasion. That's what explosion plays. Like, Wofford is really good on the fundamentals. Surprisingly, that's that's been the same problem performatively. In the last two games against VMI and Chattanooga, they, they've been up four explosion plays. So, Yeah, and I think, to be fair, I think that also has, says a lot about those teams in general, that they're good. But I'm just talking about on the macro yardage perspective, Wofford, you know, you take away that long pass to uh, Bryce Nunley and you take away the overtime yards. And Wofford has not really let anyone have more than 350 on them in really since the VMI game. And in the even in the VMI game, they got about two thirds of their yard or at least half to two thirds of their yards down four scores. But 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 even then, you have to give credit to Furman because Furman has been a lot more consistent about not having yardage translate to points. You know, just look at the the head to head. They didn't let Udinsky score thirty in garbage time. They didn't let um, they they had Tyree Adams. They were playing, and they only let seven points be scored on them. They only let 
Chattanooga score 20. Now, granted, they didn't have Ford, but, you know, they still only let them score 20 in regulation, not 28 as Wofford did. So, like, I want to give, give credit where credit is due, but I think the, the big difference is yardage-wise, Wofford has bits and pieces of brilliance, and I won't say they haven't played a complete game because that's a pretty complete game, what they did to Mercer and what they did to Western Carolina. But the challenge is going to be, can they do that against this really good Furman offense with Tamp Sisson? Well, the funny thing is, to I mean, he's he said he's plan, planning on playing both quarterbacks. I think Granger probably threw the best pass of the day Saturday of the uh, that he's thrown the season. Probably about a fifty-yard pass in the air, and Wayne Anderson Jr. just drops the ball. Like, I mean, it was a it was a touchdown and like, and you're thinking like, what, what does this guy have to do to gain confidence? You know, because even when he puts a ball on the money at this point, you know, the guy's dropping a touchdown pass. So he did come in and, and, and I think that's important, but. Tom Henson said this, this is the deepest running back unit Wofford has ever had, which is really wild considering we're no longer a like flex bone team. We go literally six or seven deep. And wide receiver, we have Demarie Van Cleve. And if you're listening to this, here's how you pronounce it. Demarie, Demarie, like EA Sports, it's in the game. So Demarie Van Cleve, he is just a special player. I think he's the most versatile player on Wofford's offense. Easily. I don't know if you saw the highlight, but the first touchdown against Mercer was on a reverse. And you thought he was going to go out of bounds just by looking at it. And he tightroped that. He's a, he was a 5A Kentucky, Mr. Kentucky football, the 100-meter state championship. And he's gained about 20 or 30 pounds since last year. And it's just so hard to tackle him and to catch him. And he's just so versatile. We've not had a player like him before. He's going to be spe- He's already special, but he's going to do a lot of good things. I'm really impressed with where this team is where it's going. I think if I'm completely honest, I think Wofford is a year away from where they want to be on, on both sides of the ball. I think next year will be a really special year, but we can still win the SOCON and that's, that's just how it is. And I think, I think Furman is closer to where they want to be. They just need that one like signature win and they may get it against Wofford, but some like the naysayers nationally might say that's not a signature win because it's a seven and four Wofford team. But we know better than that. If, they, if this Furman team, I think the winner of this game could easily make it to the quarterfinals if they're not beaten by the other team when they inevitably rematch in the playoffs before the quarterfinals. And, I, you know, I, I think that SoCon gets thrown under the bus a little bit. And I said that on Twitter I've seen all these teams play, and I don't need to see the Southland play, okay, because I know they're not very good. I hate I hate to be like that, but it, it's just the truth. I mean, if you're going to tell me Central Arkansas, who gets blown out, was it 34 to nothing? Yeah, I don't remember the last time a team got blown out like that who was in the top 10. I remember Wofford getting blown out by App State 70 to 24, but at least we put points well, that, on the board. Yeah, that was a little bit different situation on, on Halloween. And- yeah, yeah, that's another thing. Southeast Louisiana is not at three-time defending national champion App State. That's another thing. If I were deciding, I would say I've seen all three teams. I think all three are, you know, very, very good football teams. I'm, I'm speaking of the Citadel, Furman, and Wofford. 
but also, you know, Chattanooga's, you know, not lunch meat either. I mean, <laughs> they're they're a good football team, and I think there's four quality uh, football teams in this league. I would I would consider at least three for a bit. I think two are in, but and let's talk about that for a second because. I think we we talked about it off air for a moment, but I think going in a couple weeks ago, I said that the Citadel was probably a lock if they can get seven and five and if they lost to Wofford, say. But I'm a little less convinced about that because now they aren't ranked and the committee looks at the coaches poll and they have to climb the coaches poll and if they win this week yeah they might get in the some they might get in the top 25 but they can't afford to lose to Wofford if they do if that makes sense if Furman loses obviously they're not going to drop out of the top 25 at number 7 in in the coach that's why i think they're a lot right yeah and so like i don't even think that like if it was a close wa- loss for Wofford to Furman say i don't think they would drop five places out of the you know, out of the Paul or four, four. Um, I think actually the winner of this game, like Furman is ranked seventh or eighth, depending on the poll you're looking at. I think they were ninth for the com- the playoff committee. You know, if, if Furman wins it wins on Saturday, I think they will lock down a seed. And I think if Wofford wins out, they could sneak in at a seed. If Wofford were to lose and then go on and, and beat the Citadel and, uh, who who else is it they have left? Uh, just as, okay, just Citadel. Just okay, just Furman. Furman the okay, Citadel. so if they win, if they beat the Citadel, there. I mean, you know, they. I think two teams from the SoCon get in. I mean, there's no, there's no, not a scenario where I could imagine only one gets in. Yeah, and I'll be completely honest. I think Wofford's going to beat the Citadel. I know that's like two weeks away and arrogant talk, but Wofford's beating them. 19 of 21 times. Um, and really, last year was not as close as the final score. We went up 21 to nothing, and Joe threw a pick six and then like two interceptions that brought it back inside the 30. Now, granted, that's literally that see that those teams are closer to their 2017 counterparts than their 2019 counterparts. But I mean, we just went over how good Wofford's defense is when it comes to stopping the run. And I, I just don't think the citadel will do it now i could be wrong obviously i've been wrong before um but i think wofford should be in good shape for a for a playoff bid if they if they win it i mean i mean the citadel's decent i mean they're very good uh football team and i i think they the one the one thing that they have is they have one of the few power five wins in fcs and FCS football. So if you're telling me, if you're telling me that like there should be another Southland team in there, I mean, I know Central Arkansas, who they beat, Western Kentucky. That's still not, that's not, I mean, I, I get that they're having a good season and they just beat Arkansas or whatever, but that's still not, that's still not a power five school. But I think, I think the Citadel isn't like you had the Citadel not lost to VMI or Samford, they would not be in this position. I also think had Chattanooga beaten Jacksonville State, the, we would be talk. We would say three is a lock because you know Chattanooga wins out. Say hypothetically, they're going to finish seven and five if they went out. And I we've already talked about they're probably out just because of how many losses they have and very few quality wins. 
But if they and so I think it had had Chattanooga finished eight and four with a one point loss to Wofford, a you know fifteen but closer than that loss to Furman and to Tennessee and to to James Madison, I think it you would have a better case. And at the very least, that that win that Wofford and Furman got against them would have a little bit more value behind it. And I think you know. I think Chattanooga is on the uptick as far as a team in this league. If you look at what they – I mean, even though they lose Tiano, they've got so much young talent returning. Um, I, I, I think I think them – right? I, I think, think Nunley's, Nunley's coming back. back. So, really, I think the future could be Wofford, Chattanooga, and Furman if you look at the rosters and just simply what they have back. See, that's the thing. That's another thing, too, is that pretty much every team in the conference, except for maybe Samford and Western Carolina, has an argument that they'll be better next year. Because VMI, they're pretty young. The Citadel will tell you that they are actually pretty young, too, and I agree with them. Uh, and that team in Johnson City is going to be, is still pretty young. And they, they lost, they've lost six games by a touchdown or less. And Mercer is injured like crazy right now and so they're young because of that i felt i was starting to feel bad for him there was one there was one safety for the bears that wofford just kept on balling over (laughs) um it was kind of sad there was one time uh blake morgan got a pretty sick stiff arm on him as well and it was just so bad um because they're so injured because they have they had a they had a player announced that he was transferring in the middle of the week they had their best player on each level of the defense out with injury we all know what happened to to uh riddle they had they were working with three backup offensive linemen it was just a they're just beat up and and we know we talk and we talk about bobby lamb and his job i feel like he needs another year just because of that but i was gonna that was my next words out of my mouth were if you look at the last two seasons for Mercer, they've had an inordinate amount of injuries. I mean, look at it. I mean, you know, they lost Riddle really the last two seasons. I know they lost him a little bit earlier last year, but I mean, uh, they lost both basically their wide receivers this year, their top receivers that made so many plays against. Granted, I know Western Carolina is getting better, but they weren't very good that day. Um, but they, a Durden, where he made a huge difference, was in special teams, and and I think that, you know, I, to defend Bobby Lamb a little bit, I mean, you don't have depth enough at this level, especially at a at a program that's not that old as Mercer is is not. I mean, it, it's it's tough. I mean, um, they've had some injuries on the offensive line. Uh, they've had injuries to a lot of the players on defense, I know their defensive line's been beat up. So it's it's been a tough year. And uh, while, you know, while Mercer had the – I think they had a, a good bit of talent. Um, whether they could have finished in the top four of the league, I don't know. But I would have been interested to see if they could have stayed healthy where it act, actually they would have finished. Or, you know, I don't think they would have beat Wofford, but – Probably wouldn't have been, I guess, forty-one to seven. Um, and 
And I agree. I think that the SoCon in general was a year away. And, you know, you look at it now, Chattanooga is playing better than they were at the middle of the year, or the beginning of the year. I think if they re- if they replayed Eastern Illinois, they'd beat them by 40. I think if they replayed um, Jacksonville State, it'd be a different outcome. Same with Wofford and South Carolina State and Samford. The only two teams I see as being worse next year is Samford and Western Carolina because Tyree Adams is graduating for Western Carolina and Samford is you know, floundering on defense. I don't really think it's going to be what the problems they have are going to be solved in a single year. And on offense, you know, they'll have Chris Oladukin. I think he might have a nagging injury. Um, That's another thing too, is Ford went out with a knee injury that was pretty bad, but they still ran for over 200 yards. The Chattanooga Mox did, which tells me it's not just Ford. Like Ford, I think, you know, his yards after contact, that'll be like, you know, 20 to 30% of their yards. But at the same time, like, you know, the mocks are more than Ford. But yeah, Chris Oladokun, he's got that nagging injury. I don't think he's as good of a passer as we thought he was going into the season or after the Tennessee Tech and Youngstown State game. I think had Wofford played them later in the season and known more of his tendencies against decent competition, I think Wofford probably beats them because what happened was Wofford came in and they they did basically the Devlin Hodges defense and uh, Sanford ran for like 130 yards, which is crazy because the last two years or three years, Wofford had helped them to below 100 each time and sometimes as, as little as 10. Like I want to say it was 2017 or 2016. It was like 2016, Devlin Hodges only had two incomplete passes against us, which was wild. And then in 2017, he was like 30 to 41 for 400 yards. And then last year it was something different, but we still couldn't stop him. But this year, you know, we did a lot better at stopping the pass, but they ran on us. And I think had we invested less in the pass defense, it would have been a good payoff just to, you know, put another guy in for the, for the run. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, Devlin Hodges, I think had a a huge effect on, on Sanford in general. I mean, we saw how good he was, uh, not only, you, you know, they don't call a back guy back into NFL camp when guys get injured just for the heck of it. You know, they're not going to just pay somebody because they want to. And when, uh, I guess, um, Ben Roethlisberger went down with an injury um, and they didn't have uh, the guy from Tennessee anymore. They just had Mason Rudolph who had gotten hurt. You know, they're calling in Devlin Hodges to be their third guy there in Pittsburgh. So that tells you a lot about how talented he 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 was at Sanford. And what what doesn't make sense to me is that they had talented players on offense and defense, really, if you look at Amai Gooden. And I've said this before, is like, how are they not so much better? than what were they won six games last year i think yeah i think next year what's going to happen is wofford's going to beat samford for the first time and the floodgates are just going to open i i just do not see how they have the same defensive coordinator as they they did 10 years ago and for some reason they're just they've just regressed to to such a point that they're terrible they're absolutely terrible and 
they've won four games. They might win five. They might be the they might beat Western Carolina, but they're really lucky they caught Wofford early. All right, so let's let's talk about the keys to the Wofford and Furman game. We didn't really talk much about the Chattanooga and, and Citadel game, but I think the Citadel is going to win just because Ford is a game changer and they lost him. Um, it's funny because they're so similar. Normally I'd say special teams, but <laughs> yeah, I think Wofford is so, so good there as well. You know, I, I think in most situations now, granted, I think, I still think, the two schools have two of the better kickers in the nation. I mean, I, I put Luke Carter or Grayson Atkins up against pretty much anyone, um, FCS or FPS. Weirdly enough, I would take Luke Carter to kick my extra points, but uh, Grayson Atkins to kick the field goals. Yeah, Grayson tries to hit objects behind the actual scoreboard and things like that sometimes. Um, so that, that makes a difference, but... Um, Sorry, the dog's barking, but um, but yeah, I think I think yeah, I think you're correct. Uh, Distance-wise, on field goals, he's pretty accurate. I think he's made 19, 19 of his last twenty field goals, which is pretty unheard of. Um, What's weird for Carter is that he's missed some chip shot field goals in his career, like inside thirty yards, which I think is just weird because he's automatic from extra point. But that's one consistency that Wofford seemed to have had over the years. It was David Marvin. Yeah, that, he was very good. So, like, like this is – I think these – normally you'd, you'd say – but, like, look at the similarities. If you look at the carries and the run, the running backs that have had an effect and how both teams have spread it around on carries and yardage, I mean, it's, it's very – it's eerily similar if you look at the stat sheet between Wofford and Furman. So there's not like a there's not like an area where I could just say, you know, Furman is this much better, you know, or in this area or whatever. Or Wofford's this much buried. Yeah, I think it's really gonna come down to ball control. Like we talked about it earlier, like Woff like Furman will gamble a little bit more with possession and that's kind of what happened last year is that they went up twenty points and then sat on it in the second half basically i think turnovers that's where turnovers make a huge difference and i'm like and part of me is kind of confident about wofford just in general because we've been in this situation before because yes i'm a wofford fan and a homer but we've only turned the ball we turned the ball over four times in the first game against at south carolina state and we've turned it over three times since then so wofford had a fumble against gardner webb an interception on a Hail Mary at the end of the half against ETSU and an interception against Clemson. And that's the only three turnovers we've had. And I don't know what Furman's looking at like with turnovers, but also Wofford doesn't force that many turnovers. I want to say we might be broke. We might've broken even on turnover margin at this point, but the key is going to be keeping the other team off the field. I'll be honest. I think Wofford's defense is a little bit better than uh, Furman's is in terms of stopping the run, and that's what this game is going to be about. But I think uh, the new quarterback for Furman is going to be the difference maker for Furman. If they win, it's because he has a great game. Yeah, I would say that too. I, I agree with that. I mean, at times Furman's been more of a bend but don't break against a run. 
They've been pretty good against the pass. Yeah, counterintuitive because you know they're up big on these on on all these teams, and you'd think that they would have worse running yeah, numbers, worse and, passing numbers, or better better running numbers and worse passing numbers. But it's the and opposite. I think they are actually a little bit more, a little bit better against the pass. Uh, actually, I think much better because of their they've got some speed at corner. I think that makes a difference. A lot of these teams, okay, so VMI last week, you know, I know you watched it. We're trying these, they were trying these like pod screens, and Furman's been very good against the wide receiver, wide receiver screens this year because their guys can get off blocks and get up and make plays, which in the past, Furman has not been good at stopping that play. But for some reason this season, they, they have, they've really been aggressive at corner. I have to make one comment though about VMI's defense. It was a very ballsy move to go with the five three against Furman with all the skill players. Yeah, they were like, okay, we can either stop the run or stop the pass. We're going to try to stop the run. This might not go so hot because they didn't bring out that five man front against Wofford. They, I think they tried a three or a four man run. Thing, I think Furman is a year ahead in terms of where they want to be with the personnel they have for their offense. But Wofford's overall talent was probably better in year two than Furman's was in year two last year, if that makes sense. And their experience and confidence might be, and again, I'm not knocking Furman's confidence. I think Furman is going to, whether it be this week or in the playoffs, they're going to really develop that confidence over going into the future, but I think that's really the difference where Wofford and Furman are. And I, you know, neither of that is going to really determine this game. I don't think, I don't think you can say anything about that conclusively. One thing I can probably, I mean, 90, I'm 95% sure that this is a touchdown or less game. Um, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if some one of the teams did what the Citadel did to Furman. If they in that it's a, just a weird, like not not a blowout, but a control, a slow burn, if you will, a controlled slow burn. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a slow burn in the sense that it you know one team breaks off one or two big plays and then you know it gets to the a point in the second half and you know it's a it's a twenty to it's a 24 to 14 game and they just sort of, you know, they they get a key stop in the last 20 minutes or so. I would be only surprised if a team, if it was a repeat of last year where Furman won by a shot. <laughs> With that, I think we're going to leave it there. So if you really want to tell us anything, we're probably going to do one more podcast next week and maybe a playoff podcast as well, depending on how far a team goes. But you can find me at village underscore terrier and John at SoconJohn22. Go SoCon!